Hello, I am Demarcus Scott, but back to you with another episode of this year project. If you decided to stick around, um, I like to apologize first off for the audio issues that I had with Austin last episode. Um, I didn't realize how quiet he sounded, and hope that wasn't too much of an issue this time. I'm being here solo, unless you I just count me and uh, Jake the dog over there laying down. But I don't think he'll be too talkative. I want to explain the reasoning behind doing this project and the heart and passion behind why I'm doing this and really who I am for the people who don't know. Uh, I already said my name. I'm Demarcus Scott I am a 22-year-old uh, college student, and I'm in an accounting degree, so not even anything <laughs> relating to the Bible. Um, I've had experience dealing in ministry but i just i just like to serve and i teach what little i know about the scriptures um not that i have any kind of authority i just believe that jesus in the bible has authority and that i try to explain what that what that really that really means and what that looks like um i'm not very impressive stature wise i'm not just an overly handsome or appealing guy. I'm not just too wise or smart. I'm not a, a 4.0 GPA kind of college guy. Um, saying all that to say that this is this is not a work in and of myself. This is not me trying to impress you or flaunt some kind of knowledge or seminary degree or years of experience in ministry. I got saved when I was 16, so I've been a Christian for six years. Um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully, if you're not already a Christian, I'd like to encourage you what that looks like and hopefully explore through this biblical narrative why you should follow this guy named Jesus. Uh, hopefully, a lot of you already follow Jesus and you've been doing it in a longer, better way than me. I just love the Bible, though. And um, when I got saved and I was 16, being in a youth room, um, I heard about Jesus being in Genesis in that, in that poem uh, in Genesis 3. Uh, 15, how he was going to be the one to crush the, the head of the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to be looking at that in future episodes. And if you listen to last episode, we explored a little bit. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I say all that to say that when I came to this biblical story, this or the Bible in general, I knew nothing. I, I knew I knew nothing. Um, I just knew Christ and him crucified. That was explained to me by my youth pastor at the time, Brother Matthew. Um, that's all I knew, that this this Jesus, he died on a cross for me. And when I put my faith and my trust in him, Jesus was alive, and he's real, and he's powerful, and, and um, he, he, took, he took away my sins. Everything that I was dealing with at the time, all the mess of it, he he took it he took it away. Not to say that the circumstances really changed, but I had a hope. Not in my circumstances really getting better, but in in a risen savior who makes the world make sense. And he gave me a north, a true north, a, a direction to go. He made a mess out of the fog and, and gave me a purpose and a and a hope and a and a calling. And that Jesus, he cared a lot about this Bible. He, he, he definitely knew it more than I would ever be able to. And I, think, and I can just know what a fraction like he does to see what he sees in, in doing it. It changes your life when you live by it. Um, that's why I care about the whole Bible, not just the New Testament or the Gospels of Jesus or the, or the letters. But I believe knowing the whole Bible and the whole biblical narrative story is key to living a wholesome Christian life of, of I mean, just it's God's word. It's, it does nothing but good for you. And I, I just I love it and I have a passion for it. And um, I believe that we all should know it being being Christians. It, it definitely it it I'm trying to find the right words. It changes your worldview of stuff. It's like um, I don't know. It, it's like. I wear glasses and my eyesight is terrible 
And it's been terrible for as long as I can remember. But I remember the first time I put on glasses. And me actually realized, oh, there's leaves on the trees. They're not just green blobs from this way. And you can see and just see stuff in an entirely different, different just perspective. And it was just amazing. It's amazing. So that's what I'm looking to do this project to help you put on glasses. I guess <laughs> it's not really a work by me. It's going to be a work of God and he's going to be with you. And, and so um, before I start rambling on and on, uh, this is the, the hope and the, and the purpose in this in this project. And this is what I'm going to be trying to lead people in and through. Um, so please, uh, you're more than welcome to join this journey and ask plenty of questions. Uh, questions are welcome, welcomed. And I'm not. I don't have all the answers. I won't lie to you and say that, but I know the God who does. <laughs> and we're going to be looking at the Bible and, and get getting answers from there. So, um, yeah, that's that's me. And uh, please introduce yourself to to me. Uh, you can contact us or contact me in our email. I know nothing but Christ at gmail dot com. Uh, send questions. Uh, you know, spend what you know about the Bible. I love to get to know people. I try to. I, I'm not the best with um, emailing back in a in a I guess a quick response. So please forgive me, but I will read it and I will try my best to get back with you. And I'm looking forward to to hearing from people. I'm not even sure how much this will actually catch on, or if anybody will listen to this. But if it can just help one person, uh, that's the that's the dream behind this project. So I'm gonna take a little quick break and then I'll explain some more of what I expect from this project and all the other fancy jargon. So uh, this will be a seamless transition for you all, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I had something to say, but this, this should be a, a seamless transition for you. I'm back. I'm back. Hope you didn't miss me too much. Um, so for the, the rest of the way that this project is, uh, is going to go, uh, me and Austin should be an episode uploaded before I put this episode out there about how we explore the whole biblical skeleton um, and kind of give you a framework of what stories are going to be hit, um, how it all points up to Jesus and what this whole Bible story is about, you know, uh, the plot, the characters, narrative, uh, things like that. It, it should be, it should be up. I hope we did a good job with that. It should already be up. There's some audio issues with that. Um, I think Austin sounds really quiet on there, which I'm, I'm very, very sorry for. But uh, it, that should be the whole backline of outline narrative. I'm going to be just touch, touching in on some key parts and exploring a little bit more. Um, my goal behind this is to get at least six episodes. That'll be from my side. Um, I'll let the other guys introduce themselves as they come along, but I keep saying but a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> my, uh, They should be able to explain their heart behind this or what they want to be talking about in their episodes featuring them uh, these would be the episodes you're stuck with me about and we're just going to be hitting the bible and we're going to be exploring through some some narratives and some stories and i guess i'm going to be answering some questions if i don't have any of them with me uh, those are my friends like austin um, should be a guy named jacob comes along and i'll let him introduce himself as well probably hear some you probably hear some testimony stuff i might get deeper into my testimony if that's something that you're interested in, if you don't know what testimony means, it should be, I guess, a popular word, but it's kind of like a bodily word, too. For a Christian to say, I'm going to give my testimony to you, is there a witness about how, uh, what Jesus did in their life, um, how he saved them, or what he led them through, or uh, what miraculous act that, that Jesus did for them. And, um, you know, you hear people's testimonies, and you just relate to them. Uh, I'm a pretty weird guy. Uh, I'm a pretty weird guy, so I don't know how many people relate to me. But if you relate to some part of it, hey, there you go, there you go. So, um, the the where I'm going to spend a lot of time in this episode would be in the first pages of the of the Bible, um, Genesis one through three. Um, I'm not going to read it out to you. I believe that you should go back and read these stories for yourself. But uh, I'm going to. Just explain what's going on there. I remember Genesis is a fun part of the Bible. It is it is a fun part of the Bible. The action feels fast hitting and have some 
some really cool stuff to look at. It is a it is a fun part of the Bible. Um, it explains the creation story. And um, if I haven't already talked about this, I want you to know that the Bible does not care about the same questions that you have when coming to the creation process. Uh, as a child, I say, that, well, yeah, I guess I was a child watching like the science networks and animal planet and, you know, everything X, Y, Z. They have a perspective on the creation of the world that dates back, you know, millions of years and big bang theories and how we evolved uh, from monkeys pretty much and how the whole evolutionary process worked. And they put it on there as fact. And I, you know, don't have just too much of a problem with that. If you believe that's what it is. I mean, I guess you go by what you believe is, is, is fact. It's a theory at the end of the day. Because um, the, the biggest issue with something like that is that, you know, uh, life can't come from non-life. I'm not going to sit here and debate and do all that stuff because I, it kind of goes over a lot of people's head. And you don't, I don't think you really care about that too much. But I put that out there just to say that um, when people come to the Bible with those same kind of questions of like, you know, dinosaurs and X, Y, Z and this and that, then... Um, you miss the the beautiful story that Genesis is trying to portray, and this is one of the the first you know the gear shift in my brain started happening when when coming to the Bible of realizing it doesn't really care about those questions. You see a lot of apologetics; um, they explain it and they will do a much better job. If you want to look at that, um, I forget what the I guess that definition of apologetics means. But uh, if you guys want to YouTube that or, or do something, I think a guy named Kent Ham does a does a really good job. I may be butchering his name, but um, and if, you know people like that, they do a, a great job of just defying, you know, answering those kind of questions throughout the biblical lens. But I, I'm not convinced at all that the Bible really cares about that. In my personal own opinion, um, what it what it is describing though, it is, it is describing a God who is bringing order out of chaos. Um, notice, and, and back in, I forget exactly when people start develop, like, developing, excuse me, developing a globe, uh, you know, the image of a globe when talking about like Earth and other planets and stuff, but it definitely wasn't back in biblical times. I want to say it was like the last uh, 300 years people start thinking like that. We certainly didn't even get like pictures of it until we actually went to outer space to, in the last century. Um, you know, it's crazy how fast technology goes. Like in the 1900s, people were, or the, like the beginning of the 1900s, people were on like horses. And then like toward the end of it, we had like helicopters and jets and stuff. So stuff changes fast. <laughs> it, it changes fast. Um, who knows what the next 100 years will be in my lifetime, uh, in our lifetimes. Um, but saying that, the, the Bible doesn't doesn't care about your your ideas of you know globes and different planets it doesn't have that kind of doesn't have that same definitions or dictionary so when it's saying the first few sentences in chapter one uh, in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness over the, the face of the deep uh, get the image of globe out of your head you need to be thinking um you need to just get that out of your head. I mean, to be thinking like foundations, like building. Uh, you see it pop up in the Psalms a lot of the time if you're familiar with that part of the Bible. Um, God established the earth. It is firmly founded. It cannot be moved. And uh, kind of the image of like earthquakes, God moving the foundations and, and such and thundering this temple and the earth moves and thunder shakes the earth. Uh, they don't have a picture of a globe in their head. They just, you know, they just know what they know, flat ground. And they know that God is the author of it. And that's the kind of, same process we need to have when coming to the Bible. Now, of course, do we believe that God created the globes and the stars and everything like they are? Yes. But it's not trying to give you a science definition of what took place in the beginning of creation. It's trying to point you toward something way more profound that speaks to our lives now. Um, and that's that God brings order out of chaos. Uh, or the earth was as formless it was deep there's there's no place for life to flourish and you see each and every day god brings order from chaos when there's darkness he brings light and there's a place that life can't flourish he brings life 
and that formless deep dark ocean god fills it with life and all sorts of creatures and even more creatures we don't know anything about and um i'm if you don't know i'm terrified of the ocean absolutely terrified i don't know what's down there and, and it's and it's dark and you got like weird creatures that come out and i can't swim and i'm not going to look in the chains that anytime soon because i don't need to be anywhere near water where i can't see the ground or anything like that i hate being in the ocean and everything like that but what's amazing about it is is i'm not sure how true this is but we know more about the space than we do the our own ocean and that's terrifying that's terrifying to me i don't know what's down there i see like uh there's these, like these games where they have like megalodons and all sort of like kraken and creature stuff down there. It freaks me out. I don't like to see that stuff. I hate I hate Jaws that movies and you know megalodon. I hate those movies. They they freak me out. I just don't like you know it's dark and I can't see and you know it's making me shake doing thinking about it right now. But there's also creatures on the dry ground that are like weird and you know and fantastically weird. And the human body in itself is like a miracle. And you just think about how you're created. And it, and it gets to that later on in the in the in the chapter, um, but I mean, you see God bringing all sorts of life and flourishing and on this planet that He's made, and not only on this planet, but I love space stuff. I, I'm more I'm less terrified of space than I am on ocean. I don't know if that's like a backwards thinking process, but you think about the vastness of it, and the different planets and the different stars, and just how beautiful they are. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just gorgeous. There's probably a sunset on some faraway planet that we know nothing about that looks absolutely beautiful. And we may not know anything about it in our lifetime or the next couple lifetimes, but God made it because it's pleasing to him. So in the first chapter of the Bible, you see this just beautiful mind behind it all. And if you are in a place where you're able to, and you just mean, look up at the stars. And look out on God's good creation. Look at the animals. Um, in my YouTube feed, I've been getting a lot of just animal videos. <laughs> Whatever reason, I, I love it though. I love it though. It has like this algorithm where it figures out the stuff that I like. And I guess I clicked the video one time and next thing you know, I've been on this whole spill. I've been seeing different creatures from like wasps to, to, to lions and elephants. And you just see, and, and bears. I see a lot of bears. Bears are pretty cool and terrified. Uh, you just see the the beauty of nature and these gigantic beasts and these powerful beasts and all these, these small animals and uh, you see their purpose and role in the environments. I mean, it's a beautiful, creative system. Um, I mean, it, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's just, it's just wonderful. Um, that may be the animal planet kid side in, in me talking, but it is, it is a beautiful, it is a beautiful place. And you see God caps off, this beautiful creation uh, on the first page of the Bible, um, you see him cap it off with making these these creatures in his own image, mankind, um, starting in, in verse um, 26. Excuse me. Then God said, let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Um, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy, so it's, it's stick with me just a bit. But if you have any kind of understanding of Greek mythology or any kind of ancient, you know, I guess Mesopotamian uh, creation stories or Roman mythology, whatever, whatever favorite mythology you want to have there. And if you do a quick little Google search of... Uh, actually, I'll do that right now. Let me read it off to you. Read off one of these things. I'm going to take a little pause here, and then I'll like Google a creation story if I can find it. If not, I apologize. I'm sorry. Due to technical... Uh, probably it was very loud to come back to. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Due to technical difficulty, um, could not pull it up. Could not pull up one of... That's like connectivity issues. Sorry. Living in... Um, no. Living in the middle of the woods. I guess we'll do that for you. <laughs> I, I love the place where I live. It's a very, very beautiful spot. But um, back to back to just thinking about these, and uh, I guess you have to take my word for it. You Google it yourself, and you kind of compare. Uh, if you compare like the the creation stories of different cultures and different religions about human beings, how they got here, because it's like in the in the Greeks and the Roman times and the uh, Assyrian, you know, different. You just you just name it. 
Assyrian and Babylonian creation stories be more closer related to the, the Bible. Uh, the Bible, I guess the time period where Genesis was made, I'm trying to get out of my mouth. But if you compare those, and you see a lot of it is human beings being the offspring of some kind of war between gods and something else, or between gods and each other, or uh, being made by some kind of accidental process, pretty much. And uh, <laughs> it actually kind of goes back to how modern times kind of look at how create human beings are here. We just evolved through some process, and we're just a result of stardust getting together and, and such like that. In the, in the Bible already, again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, or I guess you will be offended, but I'm not trying to offend anybody or get into any needless arguments or de debates right there. Uh, but I'm telling you that the Bible has a very different point of view when saying how do human beings get here and why are human beings here? And if you're just going by the first page of the Bible, you see that humans were made by this beautiful mind that was described earlier that bring order from chaos on purpose. He made them on purpose. And more than that, he, he made them in his likeness. I will get into where who's God talking to right there. Let us and make mankind in our image and our likeness. Actually, that's important to stop on there real quick. Um, in Jewish culture and tradition, um, if you don't know, who a Jew is, um, it's a it's a it's a faith and it's also a, a ethnic ethnicity. It's a it's a people. It's a people group. <laughs> I can't get words out of my mouth. It's a, it's a people group, and uh, they are um, they're believers in the Old Testament of the of the scriptures, and they don't believe that Jesus is king over all creation. Pretty much, they don't believe that. To make a long story short, they are very important to the rest of this discussion as we get further along in Genesis and throughout the rest of the Bible. Though. So we'll be back to them, and I'll be describing who they are uh, in, in way more detail and why they're so important. Um, if that hasn't already been explained in the last episode, well, if it, you're probably going to hear it again, to be honest with you. But going back to the, the main question, uh, who is God talking to when he says, let us and make mankind in our likeness? Um, Jewish people believe that that, or I guess according to a lot of Jewish scholars and, and everything like that, uh, they believe God is talking to what they call like a heavenly council. And uh, sometime in the six-day creation story or before then or however you want to put it, God made um, the heavenly host. He made He made the, the angels and, you know, all other cherubim, seraphim, and, you know, everybody, everything that, all the creatures that are in heaven pretty much. Uh, God made all of them. That's who really God is talking to, and let's make mankind our image. He's making them like uh, heavenly creatures, but made from the the dirt, pretty much. So they have like this this air of divinity, while also being here on the on the earth. I guess I may have butchered that. <laughs> I may have butchered that, and I please forgive me if I have. Again, I know nothing. <laughs> and Christians hold on to what they call, or we. We hold on to this belief that God is, or most Christians, I'm not saying all, uh, most that I've talked to believe that uh, God here is referring to the Trinity, as we know it. Hold on to this Trinity belief that God is one God made of three persons, that being God the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit. You actually see the Spirit of God mentioned in that first paragraph, too. The Spirit of God was hovering over the, the surface of the deep. They're in verse one and two, or in verse two, and they believe uh, that Jesus is the the Son is also is also God. We believe that Jesus the Son is also God. Um, one God, three distinct person. They believe that God was referring to, you know, talking to, I guess, the Trinity when when saying these verses. Whatever kind of uh, whatever kind of thought process you go to in that, I don't believe is. It's just crucially important. Um, I don't believe you can go wrong either way when, when saying that. Not to say I don't believe in the Trinity. I absolutely am a firm believer in the Trinity, and you'll see that pop up more and more. But just in these first, you know, paragraph, or in this first, in this first instance, I, I don't believe it's it's too uh, it's too crucial to to interpret in the rest of the Bible because there'll be plenty of spots where I'll say yes, this is definitely is the Trinity, but I, I don't. I personally don't. I, I conform more to the Trinitarian 
view that if that helps you out at all I'm a, I, I definitely believe God was referring to the Trinity right here instead of the, the heavenly host but I don't think you can go wrong with the, the heavenly host idea I don't think that'll cancel out your faith or anything if you're not either one um, and you just want to explore the Bible I guess I should get back to, to doing that like I'm supposed to I'm sorry for that little rant um, yeah God said let us make mankind in our own image and our own likeness so not only are human beings here on purpose they're also made in divine likeness and if you also read throughout um, these different stories of, are you familiar with these different myth mythologies or, or whatever? Um, you'll see that these beings called demigods, half God, half human, they are treated by gods here on earth, right? Um, like Hercules, take Hercules. He has these feats of superhuman strength and, and just ruling over different things. And he has um, beautiful brides and, you know, children and, all sorts of wealth, and, uh, you know, he's a half-child of, of Zeus. And you see plenty of other stories like that in Roman and, and, and uh, Greek mythology to where um, you see stuff where these demigods, they get this opportunity to rule. Even Julius Caesar was looked at not as a, as a man but as a god um, coming human flesh here to rule, and this way have all this power and, and authority. Um, so you see... Just saying that you have like this this air of divinity because oh this this guy he's from the gods he must be here to rule we must go under him. Um, they kind of they they that's what their background and origin stories are. Um, they're not human but they're 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 gods. And uh, not only is the Bible dispelling that idea by saying that no you're not the only being made in divine likeness. Actually, every human being is equal in this divine likeness and this, and this breath, which is a beautiful portrait of saying, um, you know, everybody's on equal playing ground from the, from the, from the, the poor person among you to the rich person among you. They're all created on purpose with a purpose. And what is that purpose? That purpose is to rule, to rule over all the creation, pretty much. Everything that was made in this six-day process, human beings are given the opportunity to rule over it. And uh, not only does this show the, the generosity of God to, to, to make this good world, he did it all himself. Human beings had no part in it. <laughs> they got made to. Uh, he made this good world full of like, potential and potential to, to, to see like, like beautiful things come out of it. Um, to kind of compare an analogy, uh, I mean, to show how human beings, like or how the world has potential in it, you know, monkeys, they can make, like, tree houses and make, like, little tools. If you haven't seen that, it's pretty cool if you go, like, YouTube. Like, monkeys using, like, tools to, to open different, like, nuts and stuff to get food out of it or whatever. They make, like, little hammer stuff, and it's pretty cool. They use, like, rocks and stuff like that. Um, monkeys may can do that, but, I mean, go look at New York City. Human beings can do that. <laughs> or, like, a TV. Or, like... You know, houses in general, or cars, or jets and planes, like I talked about earlier. That, I mean, that's what human beings do. And you know, you think about the process of how that got here, like through the industrial industrial revolution and everything like that. And I mean, just think about it. You don't see monkeys doing that. You don't see dogs doing that. You don't see any creatures doing that. They may have some air of intelligence about them. But you don't see them collecting to groups and making cities and, and, and doing these things like that. Of course, there's there's bad that comes with the good and everything uh, what human beings do. But I keep saying, but I want to try to cut that out as much as I can. And that's what the human beings are, or the human, or that's what mankind is here for, to, to rule, to rule. Uh, they rule over all that God has made. And how they rule is a, is a very be a, a crucial part in the in the next couple narrative stories that that arrive here. How they rule is going to determine uh, how the world goes, and God gives them this responsibility of ruling over everything that He has made, and that's what you see in the first chapter of the of the Bible. Um, you see them human beings made in the image of God in verse twenty seven. Making them male and female, and together they are they are mankind. It's this beautiful image of of why people are here. And uh, next, we're going to be looking at what all went wrong. Um, I'm going to be looking at all what all went wrong. So I'm going to take a quick break right here, gather my thoughts of what's going to I'm going to be talking about in the next uh, the next little narrative point right here.
All right, here I am. Here I am again. Um, chapter two goes in more detail about how human beings came about. It's another retelling of um, of the of the story you just read, pretty much in a, in a different in a different sequence. Um, God makes this this beautiful garden spot in the creation, and please, and again, please, um, I'm gonna just be talking about one chap chapters one through three of the Bible. So if you can get your own Bible out. And uh, or if you're all familiar with it, just be thinking through it or familiarize yourself with it. But just to know I'm not lying to you. Again, I know nothing. I'm not a theologian or an expert. So please just don't take my word for it. But go back yourself and pray through it. Chapter two kind of describes uh, the how Adam and Eve got here. These two characters, these these man, this mankind that God has just made. Um, God needed somebody to work the fields, so he made Adam out of the dirt and gave him the divine breath through his nostrils and brought him to life. And the and the, and the elegance that God treats this man with and the respect and the dignity and that he loves him with, he gives him this awesome garden spot to, if you didn't know, people were made to work. Work is good. Um, not doing anything will drive you insane. Uh, work is good. It is, it is suitable and it's pleasable. It's where we get to... In chapter three, that work becomes a, a curse sometimes, but work is definitely good. If you ever did any kind of satisfying thing in your in your life, it it, it, it requires work. It requires work. Um, if you play video games like me, <laughs> completing a hard boss battle, you know, it, it it's tough, but it is definitely worth it. I was playing Super Mario with my mom a couple of weeks ago. And like you only have like a certain amount of lives to get like to the, the last little level that it was like frustrating. Cause like the stupid turtle like things that throw the the little sword scythe or whatever they kept killing me it was so annoying and my mom was like laughing at me but it was it was not it was not pleasant it's not pleasant I may have got sidetracked right there but I just needed you guys <laughs> to know that it would would work it was satisfying when you finally accomplished I didn't actually accomplish defeating the well I got I did get past a little turtle level but I died somewhere else but when you finally do beat it it is satisfying and work is satisfying when you build something if you are a ball player I used to be a ball player and um, you you know you work and you put on this work and you get better I mean it's satisfying work is good so God needs somebody to work the fields of the beautiful garden spot he just made so he, he brings Adam up out of the ground. And Lord said, it's not good for a man to be alone. So uh, he looked to find a suitable helper for Adam and let Adam name all the animals he brought to him. And eventually uh, God makes him a helper. And when the Bible says helper right there in Psalm uh, 27, it says the Lord is my helper. So it's not some kind of derogatory phrase right here. It, it's not saying that a, a woman is just a helper when God brings uh, the woman to help Adam. It's basically saying that uh, this person is here to do something I cannot possibly do by myself. I cannot possibly do it by myself, and I need I need help. And that's exactly what the woman is there for. Um, she didn't come from the head to be above Adam, nor his feet to be below him, but from the side to be beside him. Um, women and men have very distinct roles, and they do them to a T, and they and they and they just do it wonderfully. Um, there's things that my mom can do, my dad cannot do, and there's things my dad has done for me that my mom couldn't do. It just, it's just the way that we're made. We're not made to to be able to do the same exact things. So there, and there also there are times where, um, you know, women have to step up to do the roles of men in their in their family's lives and vice versa. I mean, there's this that's the brokenness of it. But um, they're not made to do that. They they have to to fill in a role and. Some do it, or a lot do it, to a very amazing capacity. Uh, before I get on my little tangent rant right there. But God draws um, the woman from the, the side of, of Adam, and you can uh, look at that beautiful story. It may be very weird if you're reading the Bible for the first time. It's like, oh, okay, well, I mean, he just took out his rib and, and, made, a, and made a person from it. <laughs> but um, just the, the beautifulness of it that... Uh, I mean, they they fit together like puzzle pieces, and this is just a. Uh, I've been I've been um, I, I found a more reverence for for marriage uh, as I learn more about it like, through the biblical lens. Another another little aspect of how the Bible kind of changes your worldview of seeing each together as, as one flesh, 
it's just this beautiful thing. They fit together like puzzle pieces. And this, again, these little poems in your Bible, you'll find like little spots in the Bible to where, um, just like uh, verse 27 and last chapter of chapter one, uh, it, it like the the way it's written, I don't know what you exactly call it. it. It's different than all the rest of it. It's not like written like in a narrative story anymore. It kind of draws it out, putting like this little poem phrase. Um, there's probably a word for it. And uh, I don't know it. <laughs> again, I know nothing. But, and the same thing happens in verse 23. It's like this little poem. Um, or is it is a little poem. It's not like a little poem. Um, this now is a bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she's taken out of man. So, and that is why a father, man leaves his father and mother and unto his wife. They become one flesh. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. So you see these these two uh, mankind people, they're always meant to to be unified to one another, become one flesh. Uh, this is another essence of, of where you kind of, this supports, uh, how am I going to put this? Uh, this is another, I guess, uh, puzzle piece to the, or the another lens reflecting of the of the Trinity here. Uh, not only do I believe that God is is one being made up of three persons, but you see mankind, um, mankind is made up of two distinct persons, but together they join together and make one, and out of that one, new life and abundance come out. And that's the same thing I believe that happens with the Trinity. Um, they're they're one being distinct into three people. But when that unity gets together, you see life and abundance just flourish out of it. You see it flourish out of it. Uh, and that's what I believe happens in the first chapter of the Bible. You see the Trinity gets together and makes this beautiful uh, mankind and earth and all this beautiful creation. But don't want to get over anybody's head. So but I just did want to throw that little caveat in there when you get when you start talking about it more and more. Um, and, and here, verse 25, uh, Adam and Eve and his wife were there both naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. Um, the Bible is so so full of just beautiful references and, and little word puzzles and everything. And this is right there with them. Um, Adam and Eve, they're both naked. Now, were they literally naked? Yes. But was it talking about something more profound? Yes. You see, when you're naked before somebody, it's not only an image of you not having clothes, but of feeling no shame, of having all your longings and everything about you exposed and bare, and not seeking to cover it up for yourself, but letting everybody and your creator see you just as you are, not ashamed because you're made on purpose with a purpose, not trying to cover up anything to anybody. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be terrified if the whole world knew um, everything about me. I would be filled with shame. And uh, I am going to start preaching a little here a little bit. Jesus comes here to take away our shame, to take away that guilt feeling that we feel. He covers it, and he covers it, and we no longer are naked. And and, and uh, I mean, that's just the the wonderfulness of Jesus. He he certainly did that to me six years ago. Now I'm going into what all went wrong because everything is really good right now. What all what all went wrong? And I'm going to take a, one more break, and then we're going to close off this episode going with uh, the rest of Genesis Genesis 3. All right, we're back for the, the last time. Um, back for the last time. Um, I mean, the story gets, gets more bizarre as you go on to it, but it's also such a beautiful story. Now, um, here inserts our villain of the story, of this, of this plot conflict. A serpent was in the in the garden. A serpent was in the garden with mankind, and the Bible says uh, the serpent's more crafty. I'm not sure what different translations have, but I have NIV and uh, crafty is a, a good word. It's more quack, crafty. It's more wise. It's more you know kind of cunning than all the other animals that the Lord God had made. Uh, we don't know what the serpent is, but we know the serpent here here is to to cause confusion, disruption. Here to lies. Here to to take away from the human beings. The divine calling they have and the blessing they have to confuse and trick um, is here for evil. And that serpent is still here today. It, it is certainly here, still here today, doing the same things it did in chapter three of your of your Bible. Um, and the serpent immediately goes after the woman, 
goes after the woman and, and asks her. Uh, oh, I missed a big part. I'm sorry. In the garden, there's these two trees. The tree of life and the tree of knowing good and bad. And back to what I said earlier, uh, how are you going to rule? How are you going to rule is a, is a crucial part in how you, or how the whole rest of the story is going to go. How are human beings going to rule? They're going to rule according to their own knowledge, of their own wisdom, of their own power, or are they going to stop and rely upon the creator's knowledge of good and bad? And that's what the true trees represent. Uh, the humans can take the tree of life and, and live forever and be under God's rule and authority, knowing he knows good and bad, or you can eat of the tree of knowing good and bad. And uh, take that decision to your own hand. And I don't have to spoil the story for you. Just go turn on the news for 30 minutes and you will see what option human beings have chosen. Um, and it's not only Adam and Eve, it's us. It's us. This is why the Bible is not only an ancient story, but it's a story of, of today and now. Um, the the person who decides you know, how history goes is the victor. It's the victor. that They decide what's good and evil. And you see that in history books today, and, and you see it through all throughout the course of human history. It, there's a war going on in Ukraine right now. If Russia wins that war, guess who's going to be portrayed as a villain? Guess who's going to be portrayed as a hero, according to Russian textbooks? It won't be Russia as a villain, I'll tell you that. Um, the China and Taiwan, that happened. Um, I may be plugging some, or ruffling up some feathers, but sorry, so sorry. Uh, China to Taiwan. I guess who China shows as a villain, and guess who Taiwan shows as a villain. Taiwan sees China as a villain. China sees Taiwan as a villain. Uh, what's good and evil in our own eyes, and what's might makes right, and that's been the course of human history. That's what's been taught in the textbooks. It's been it's been seen. I mean, it's no different for the country that um, I live in, and I'm sure that most of the people who listen to this live in, or in your own country that you live in. Um, Anybody who opposes this country is seen as a villain. Back in the start of the American Revolution, uh, British were seen as the villains. Or the American history, British were seen, seen as the villains. And uh, in British history, America was looked at as the villains. But the history is not just black and white like that. Uh, good people make bad Well, I guess there are really no good or bad people. Everybody just decides what this, you know, what's good and bad determines to them. So... And that's the that's the mess of, of of human history right there, and human beings have this choice, and uh, the serpent is here to lie and to trick human beings to making the wrong choice to not trusting in the Lord God their Creator, and this is exactly what's going to happen right here. Um, the 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 serpent is more crafty than the animal the Lord God had really made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" Um, the serpent has a knowledge of what God said. He knows it, and he's going to twist it. Uh, God did not say they can't eat from any tree. He said you can eat from any tree but this tree, and uh, that's what exactly what um, Eve reinstates to the serpent. Then he just lies to her and gives her this this little motivation behind why God doesn't want them to eat it. Now, in the beginning chapters, you already see how much dignity and respect that God gives these human beings. To be able to let them rule over everything. And he makes them the crowning achievement of all that he created here on the earth. And here the serpent sows doubt. He says, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent is saying, God is holding back on you. He doesn't really have your best intentions out for you. He, he just wants you, whatever reason X, Y, Z you can throw in there, God is holding back on you. He doesn't really want you to be like him. He wants you to keep you from the power and the wisdom and, and the knowledge. So when Eve, she lo looked at the fruit, she let these doubts get sown into her mind. She saw the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desire, desire for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. And um, a lot of people like to pick on Eve for getting deceived here. But you see right here, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The husband was there the whole time. God gave the commandment to Adam. God, God, I mean, Adam was right there and he let Eve be tricked because Adam wanted to see where it was going to. Adam is not guiltless. You see in the, in the rest of the um, getting up to the New Testament, you see um, the blame is on Adam. Um, it is certainly not shot away from Adam. He was there. He did it. He not only ate, but he let Eve be deceived. Um, and. And there's there's just there's just so much there. There's there's just so there's a there's a lot going on here. I'm trying to keep from 
I guess, overloading and, and speaking for two hours. But um, she gave some to her husband who was with it. Then the eyes of them both were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And just like I said um, previously, Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. And here they are. They felt shame when they realized they were naked. Um, they certainly realized they couldn't trust each other anymore. All their longings were open and exposed out before them. It damaged the relationship between them. And they, and they sewed up leaves to try to hide from one another. And how much do we hide from each other nowadays? You put on these fake masks and go out into our daily lives and want nobody to know what's really going on with us. And we, we put on a masquerade until the masquerade eventually has to fall off. Um, beautifully profound. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of Lord God as he was in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among all the trees of the garden. The Lord called out to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Not only is the relationship damaged between Adam and Eve, but between their creators, who made them and loved them and gave them divine like essence and made them his own image. So they get to the point to where they feel like they can't trust God because they're they're naked. And they're and they're terrified of God. And it's the, the damage and the brokenness that happens there because of the sin. They, they disobeyed God's command. Um, the Lord warned them in the last chapter that they will certainly die if they ate from this, this food. And you see what that death looks like. It looks like damaged relationships between human beings with each other and the Creator. And God asked him, who said you were naked and did you, you know, do what I commanded you not to? And Adam immediately shifts over to blame to Eve, and Eve blames the serpent. And God tells them the consequences of their actions, pretty much, in, the, in, the, in these next uh, verses. But what I want to focus on here, I'm going to end off this episode, is on the good news. Even though they, they get, they get well, God directly, actually, just look at this, because it's pretty cool. Um, so skipping over um, the the first few verses and going straight to sixteen, um, her her pains in childbirth would be very severe. Her desire would be for a husband to rule over him, and the ground is cursed with with Adam, um, and that's why work is hard. That's why I, I mentioned some of that earlier. You see, God doesn't directly curse them like He does with the serpent. Going back to the next couple of verses. God curses the serpent and says, Curse to you above all livestock and wild animals. He's going to crawl in his belly and eat dust all the days of life. Basically going to be the feet. You're going to eat the dirt. And he's going to put amenity or hostility between um, the woman and her seed, her offspring and yours. He's going to crush your head and he's going to strike you. This is what I mentioned earlier about my youth pastor. He first, uh, he first pointed this out to me years ago. Uh, Jesus... And all this, it didn't say like many seeds or many offspring is going to be one descendant from the from the woman that's going to come. One descendant of humanity is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. This source of evil, this treachery and deceit is going to crush his head and he's going to strike his heel. God didn't curse directly Adam and Eve, but he did curse this serpent. He cursed this serpent to know that one day his day is going to come. It's going to be a, a, a human being that's going to come and, and crush his head and the serpent is going to strike his heel. I don't know if you ever tried to you know, step on a snake before, but snakes usually bite. And when, it, when I get this image of it, I see that a man's going to smash the serpent's head in, but also the serpent's going to bite back and bite his heel. So the the hero of the story is going to take a bite on his heel, and uh, or you know take a strike and a blow as he as he defeats evil once and for once and for all. And already, even though humanity just pretty much spit in God's face. Uh, didn't trust him at all, even though he's given them no reason not to trust him. And they allowed themselves to be tricked and deceived. God immediately throws in this rescue plan. And throughout the whole rest of the Bible, this rescue plan is going to get developed. And they're going to see it, how it happens. But it's this rescue plan that one day the snake crusher is going to come. And he's going to take that hit for humanity, that, that bite on the hill. He's going to take it for them. He's also going to press the evil right where it begins. And uh, that's the plot, conflict, and tension of the whole rest of the biblical narrative is going to be played out. Uh, human beings and the creator, and also this this serpent that's always lying in the background, sneaky as a serpent always is, 
uh, causing mess and chaos and trouble. And, uh, the the world is cursed because of because of the actions of Adam and Eve, but the human beings aren't directly cursed. There's there's hope for them. God hasn't thrown them away from His presence yet. He still loves them, and His love is going to drive Him to to still be with them throughout the, the rest of the process. So that's the first three chapters of the Bible. And then uh, it sets up the rest of the Bible pretty nicely. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time in the rest of the individual chapters as I, as I did with the first three chapters. These are really important just for setting the framework and everything. But uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And uh, I guess I'll leave off with, with these verses or this verse. The Lord God made garments for Adam and Eve and his wife and he clothed them. Uh, just like I said what Jesus did for all of us. He takes that, that shame and nakedness we feel and he covers us. And he covers us out of his love and his generosity that we don't have to be naked and afraid anymore. He wraps us in robes of, of righteousness and goodness. Uh, there's a lot of biblical words I'm going to keep referring to. They're in my vocabulary, but we're going to explore what those mean. We actually had a question. Come in. What's out love questions? Please email us when you have questions or just want to see something explored in the episode. And that really going to really make it fun. Uh, Got to ask, what is glory? What is the glory of God? And that will be his own little dedicated episode of, of seeing what does the glory of God mean uh, by Sarah Hudson. So that is that is awesome. Uh, and I appreciate you, Miss Sarah, for sending me questions. So please send in many questions. And if you stuck around this long so far, um, thank you. Uh, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, hope you got something out of us looking at the first few chapters. Uh, may the Lord bless you and may be kind and gracious to you. Um, if you have any questions at all, please email us again at I know nothing but Christ at gmail.com. I know nothing but Christ at gmail.com. If you search my name, you will probably find uh, me on some kind of social media outlet or whatever, Facebook or whatever. Feel, please feel free to, to message me or, or do whatever, and I'll get back to you as soon as I, as soon as I can. Uh, but this is not about me, and this is all about uh, Jesus and, and the Bible and and, uh, our Father, and uh, seeing how that all relates, uh, how the whole biblical process relates and points back to Jesus, and uh, through the Holy Spirit, I know He will open your eyes and many hearts, and it leads back to Him. And don't fall for the deception of the serpent. Uh, Jesus is a God that can be trusted with everything, because uh, He loved us, He lived for us, He died for us, and He's resurrected for us. And this is what the whole Bible story points to. He's the, he's the one that crushed the head of the serpent that day on the cross. And uh, as death took his, his, his take and hit on Jesus, he absorbed it all into a death. He died for us. Then he raised back to life to prove that God's love uh, can conquer even death. So nothing can stop it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. Well, my friends, uh, that is it for the episode. Um, uh, we've been in consistently about an hour long uh, podcast episode, which is uh, very impressive. I guess I talk way too much, which is, uh, which is, uh, I guess a good thing for podcast sake, but I hope you guys don't get tired of hearing me speak. I love you guys. Uh, praying uh, for this, this podcast. I have anything I specifically pray for you about. Again, please don't hesitate to reach out and, uh, may the Lord bless you. May his face shine upon you. May the Lord keep you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Thank you guys.